We are so glad that you have decided to tune into this week's message as we continue in our series, Relationship Status. This week, Trey is teaching on the subject of single and searching. Most people would like to be married one day, but what kind of person should we be looking for? And how do we go about carrying out that process? What should I take into consideration before ever even entering into a relationship? God's Word shines a clear light on these questions as we begin our search for a spouse. If you guys have your copy of God's Word with you tonight, go ahead and be turning to the book of Song of Solomon. And if you need to just humble yourself a little bit from the get-go and flip open to the table of contents to figure out where that's at, uh, there's no shame in doing so. Song of Solomon is where we're going to settle in tonight for the message that I believe that God has for us. So last week we kicked off this new series, uh, Relationship Status, where we're going to be talking about God's design for singleness and for dating and for marriage and for sex. And can I just say this before we take another step forward? All this stuff that we're talking about, all these relationship stuff that we're talking about, all this that goes into God's design for how it's supposed to work, it means absolutely nothing if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all right? Your life can be full of relationships, dating relationships, friendships, it doesn't matter. Your life can be full of all kinds of different relationships, but if it is void of the one relationship that matters most, then none of this can have any bearing or effect on our lives whatsoever. So first and foremost, each and every one of us needs to examine and make sure that we are participating in the one relationship that truly matters, and that is a saving relationship between you and Jesus Christ. And so we kicked off this study, and we're looking at God's design for what it means to be single and what it means to date and what a godly marriage is supposed to look like and how sex is supposed to really be within that context. And last week we started with the single status. And we talked about the gift of singleness and how not everybody in this room may end up getting married, and that's okay. God still has a plan for your life. It's not like you have, you're some wadded up piece of trash that's useless and God can't use you because the world just seems to reject you in the relationship world. God can still use your life for great and mighty things as we've seen with Paul's life. And we talked about how singleness should be seen as a gift, but I do understand that only a small percentage of you in this room will actually go through life and live a single lifestyle. The majority of you want to get married one day, you have a desire to be married one day, and most of you are taking action right now to pursue fulfilling that desire. And that's perfectly fine. You're looking for someone that you can spend the rest of your life with. Just understand this, that there is a right way to go about doing that, but there is also a wrong way to go about doing that. And so as we open up God's Word, we want to pursue the right way in doing those things. Did you know that worldwide... There are actually over 8,000 dating websites, 8,000 different dating websites worldwide. It's estimated that there are around 54 million single people in the United States. So for those of you that are single and still looking around, you've got a pretty good shot of bumping into somebody along the way that's single. 54 million singles just in the U.S. It's estimated that around 40 million of those people are actually using online dating services. 27% of 18 to 24-year-olds are using a dating website or some form of a dating app. And that number has actually tripled since 2014. And experts say that's probably due to apps like Tinder, which reports an overall user base of 50 million people. 
So you know what that tells me? That tells me that people are searching. People are searching. And so this week we're going to stick with the single status again. That leads us into tonight's message, single and searching. It's obvious people are searching for relationships. Many of you in this room are probably searching for relationships, and you need to be asking yourself, what kind of person should I be looking for? And how do I go about carrying out that process? Because I want to know the right way to do it. I want to know what God's Word says about it. And this is where, as a matter of fact, God's Word becomes so vital for our instruction when it comes to our search. Because, listen to me, it is absolutely possible for you to choose, date, and marry the wrong person. And I don't say that to scare you to death. I'm just saying that God has a set way about which He wants you to go about finding the right person. And if we decide to take matters into our own hands, then in all likelihood, there is a possibility that we might find the wrong person. That's not God's desire for your life. So he gives us an instruction manual to go by. So if you're single and searching, or even if you're currently in a relationship right now, there are some things that I really feel like God wants you to see tonight. And he gives us a great example to look at in the book of Song of Solomon. In this book, we're given a snapshot into the attraction, the relationship, and the marriage of a man and woman. And from the beginning, it shows us a man and a woman who become interested in each other. So keep in mind that at this point, as we dive into chapter 1 tonight, they're not actually dating at this point. They're not in a relationship with each other. So what we are shown tonight is going to lay a framework for what we should consider before ever even entering into a relationship. And we'll call those things attributes of attraction. And the first one is quite simply this. The first attribute is physical attraction. So if you're single and searching, you're trying to enter into a relationship, the first thing that has to take place, you've got to find somebody that you're attracted to, obviously. You're like, oh, wow, man, what a great revelation. I'm so glad I came to church tonight. But it goes a whole lot deeper than that. So look at Song of Solomon chapter 2, and you're going to find three different groups of people talking here. There's going to be the woman, and you're going to see it should be outlined in your Bible for you. It might say she, and that'll let you know when she's speaking. And she's got a group of friends because all girls have a group of friends. They don't just run together in solos. There's always a pack of them everywhere that you go. They might be labeled as others in your Bible. And then you got Solomon. you got the man. And they, these couple are pursuing each other in a relationship. And it first starts with physical attraction. So look at verse 2. This is the woman speaking here. And she says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I love this book. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. And we'll just stop right there for a moment. This woman is obviously quite attracted to Solomon. She's feeling those intoxicating effects, right, of, of being in love with somebody. You guys know how it is, right? When, when you first start falling in love with someone new, you kind of just float around on a little cloud, you know, and everything's nice and good. And it might be pouring down rain outside, but the sun's shining bright in your heart. You know, and you're just like, oh. She's just, she's just daydreaming about Solomon right now. And she's thinking about, boy, I wish he'd just come over here and lay a big fat one on me. <laughs> she's attracted to him. Look at what she says. She says that your anointing oils are fragrant. It was popular in those times for men to rub oils on their body for attraction and for appeal. So Solomon comes walking by, 
and he's coated down with some essential oils, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was lavender, I don't know. Maybe it was that Idaho uh, blue spruce, I don't know. Maybe it was one of those. I, I don't think they had old spice back then, so maybe it was like goat spice or something. I don't know, but Solomon comes walking by, and he's smelling good, and he's looking good, and it drives this chick crazy, man. She's fired up. She's like, ooh-wee, he's fine. She's attracted to him. And that's okay. It's okay to be attracted to somebody. And so we see her attraction to him. But if you skip down to verse 5, she begins to describe her own physical attributes. So jump down to verse 5. She says this, I'm very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kadar, like the curtains of Solomon. So this book can be somewhat hard to interpret sometimes, right? Like I told my wife the other day, I was like, babe, I'm going to start talking to you like Solomon's talking to this chick in Song of Solomon. She's like, please don't. I'm like, why not? It's not romantic. She's like, no, that's just weird. And so that there may be some confusion for you when you look at stuff. You're like, what in the world is she talking about? Okay, what you need to understand is the tents of Kadar. Uh, it was a nomadic tribe. And what they would do is they would move from place to place and they would make tents out of black goat's hair. So they were just dark-colored tents. So she likens herself to being dark, as dark as one of those tents. So just to help you make sense of what she's saying there a little bit. And so she begins to describe her physical attributes. She spent the majority of her life uh, working outside in the sun, as we're going to see here in a little bit. And so she's become tan. And some of y'all might be thinking, well, you know, that's a good thing, right? Like, because being tan is kind of just how our culture works. Uh, we find that attractive. But back in those days, it wasn't necessarily so. Uh, most guys would go for kind of the paler girl, the fair skin. And so this girl was kind of looking at herself, and she's like, you know, I don't really find myself all that attractive because I spent my whole life working in the sun. And in all honesty, I look like I'm sunburnt compared to everybody else. And, and so she's kind of worried about her, her physical looks a little bit. But Solomon loved it. Solomon loved it. And he was physically attracted to her. Just look over at verse 8 for a moment and you'll see he calls her most beautiful among women. So he was obviously attracted to her. And can I just tell you all that attraction can be somewhat of a relevant thing depending upon who you're attracted to and who's attracted to you. So just because one person might not find you attractive doesn't mean that everybody else is going to find you unattractive as well. There were plenty of other guys that looked at this woman, I'm sure, and thought, golly, like, get out the tanning bed, girl. Jeez, give it a rest. But Solomon looked at her, and he described her as most beautiful among women. So she has a physical attraction to him, and he has a physical attraction to her. Listen, it's important, guys. It is important to be attracted to the person that you're thinking about entering into a relationship with. And looks obviously play a part in that. I don't know very many people that are going to get into a relationship with somebody that they consider to just be flat out ugly. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be offensive. But I didn't start dating my wife because I thought she was ugly. I was like, oh man, just, you know, we'll get past it a little bit. There's some things we can work with there. Nobody does that. It's okay to be attractive. It's okay to be attracted to somebody. As a matter of fact, it's important if you're going to enter into a relationship with somebody. You should look at them and think, man, that is a gorgeous human being. 
And then that feeling should be reciprocated for you as well. And so they're attracted to each other. But there should also be a second attribute. It's not just physical attraction. There should also be character assessment. So go back and look at verse 3, kind of in the second part there. I call it part B. The woman's speaking again, and she says, Your name is oil poured out. So this woman says this to Solomon. She says, Solomon, your, your name, your name is oil poured out. In the Hebrew, it would sound like this. Your name is like the purest of oils. So what they would do back in those times is that they would go out and they would gather the olives, right? And they'd bring them to the olive press. And as they began to press the olives, they would collect the first amounts of oil that would begin to ooze out because they considered that to be the most purest of oil. They considered that to be the best oil. And so they would take that oil that they considered to be the purest and the best and they would store it up, and then when it came time to offer sacrifices within the temple in the most holy of places, that's the oil that they would pour out on the altar and on the sacrifice. And so for this woman to say this about Solomon's name, she's basically saying this, Solomon, yes, man, mm, boy, you, you got that body. I just, I'm digging it. I'm so attracted to you. But what's even more attractive is your name. Yes, your physical attributes are good. But your finest quality is your name. Your finest quality to me is your name. And so it goes on to say basically that, that to understand what, what the term name means in this context is, is that it's as his character. It's a reflection of his character. It's a reflection of who he is as a man. It's his integrity as a man. It's his responsibility as a man. So she looks at him and yes, she's attracted to him physically, but she also understands that his name is, is like purest of oil. He's, he's got a good character. He's got a good heart. He's full of integrity. She sees the way he handles himself as a responsible man of God, as a leader in the nation, and that's what attracts her. That's what attracts him, her to him even more. It's his ability. A man's name is his ability to remain controlled and committed to protect and provide, to lead and to love. Let me ask you girls something. Isn't that the kind of man that you want in your life? Don't you want the kind of man in your life that's going to exercise self-control over himself and is going to stay committed to you? Don't you want the kind of man in your life that you know will provide and protect? Don't you want the kind of man in your life that you know will lead and love? Solomon actually said in Proverbs 22 and verse 1, he says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. Don't you want this kind of man in your life, girls? I've never met a girl that I've asked to describe to me what kind of man they wanted in their life, and they give me this kind of response. Well, you know, if he could just be a dirtbag, I think that'd be great. If he could be a real jerk, you know, and never treat me like a princess or anything like that, that, I think that would just be awesome. That's, that's the kind of man I'm looking for. Oh, and I tell you what, you know, like if we could get five, six months into the relationship, or maybe even five or six years into our marriage, you know, if he could just be a lousy cheater, I think I'd really go for that. That's, that's the kind of man that I want. No girl says that. You want somebody that's going to treat you the way you deserve to be treated, right? You want a man that you know is going to lead you spiritually, that's going to love you spiritually, that's going to provide for you, that's going to protect you, that's going to exercise control over his own body and stay committed to you throughout the entirety of your relationship. That's the kind of man you guys should be looking for. That's his character, a man of godly character 
will possess these things. A man of godly character will, will possess these things, and he will treat you like you deserve to be treated. And so she's attracted to not just his physical looks, but the character of his heart. And no wonder she says what she does in verse 4. Look at what she says after she talks about what, an, what awesome his character is. In verse 4 she says, draw me after you, let us run. Draw me after you, let us run. She says, man, I, this guy, he's got the looks, he's got the character. I want him to come after me. I want him to pursue me. There's a little subtle hint in there for you guys. I want him to pursue me. I want him to draw after me. And then, you know, I think what's even better about this is her friends agree about it. Now, we haven't heard anything about them yet, so let's just read what they had to say on the matter in the second half of verse 4. It says, We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So her friends agree with her. So she comes back and she's like, because you know, I know how you girls are, right? Like you meet this good-looking guy, and he's like the total package, and you've been watching him for a little bit, and he's got that good character. Like he's at the Bible studies, he's at church every week, and he's praising, and he's worshiping God, and you're like, oh, man, this got to be the guy of my dreams right here. And you go back and you tell your friends, you're like, oh, man. Oh, let me tell you, I found this guy. Woo-wee. He's got to be the one that God has laid out for me. But the moment that you tell that to your friends, what are they going to start doing? They're starting to check him out too, right? They're like, oh, i got to see this. No, i got to find out about this. What's she talking about? And so they begin looking too. And they examine. And they check it out. And they come back to her and they're like, Bretta, man, you were right. Eric, <laughs> he is like the total package. We're, we're not, and listen, they're not mean about it, right? They're not jealous of her. They're not envious of her. They're happy for her. Ladies, you should be happy for one of your friends when they find someone that God has brought into their lives. Don't be jealous of that. Don't be envious of that. If God's got somebody for them, don't you think he's got somebody for you as well? He'll send you your Prince Charming, whoever it is that you're looking for. But they, they agree with it. They're like, you're right, man. This guy, he, he's awesome. And they encourage her. They encourage her to, to move forward in that relationship if he's going to actually pursue her. Listen to me. Listen to me. Do not underestimate the advice of godly friends who are walking in step with the Spirit when they speak truth into your life about a relationship that you're in or pursuing. Now, the key point in all that is godly friends that are walking in the Spirit. Never underestimate the godly wisdom and counsel and advice of someone else that is in your life when they see you in a relationship and they affirm it. But also don't discount it when those same godly friends came back and see you in a different relationship and they're like, you got to get out of that. There's something to be said about that godly advice of friends that are walking in the Spirit that have your best interests in mind as well. So her friends affirm uh, this relationship. They affirm that he is exactly everything that she has described him to be. And so we see that he is a man of godly character. Then when you jump down to verse 6, we begin to see a picture of her character. 
She says, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. I want you to notice this. Priority isn't being placed upon physical looks. Physical looks are important, but they're not imperative. They are important, but they are not imperative. Why is the priority not being placed on physical looks? Because, listen to me, looks don't last. Looks don't last. 15 to 20 years from now, when you find yourself in a marriage relationship, ladies, you're going to look out in the yard one day, and that stud of a husband that you married 15, 20 years ago, he's going to be out there mowing the grass, and it's going to be hot, and he ain't going to have his shirt on. You're going to be like, when we get a polar bear... Listen to me, guys, it ain't no different. Uh, you girls are laughing like you, like you ain't got yours coming, too. <laughs> it's no different, guys. 15 to 20 years down the road, when that woman has blessed you with two or three wonderful kids, that body ain't going to look the same after all that happens. Looks don't last. But character lasts for a lifetime. Character lasts for a lifetime. So your relationships better be based upon something deeper than just the attraction of physical looks. There better be someone with a godly character that you're involved with. But we begin to see that, that that's what this woman is. So we see a, a, a man who has godly character. Now we see a woman that has godly character. And you're like, well, how in the world did you figure that out out of those verses? Well, I'll show you. Verse 6. What's she talking about? She's talking about how her, her mother's sons were angry at her. So she's talking about her brothers. You never hear about this woman's father being mentioned in the entire book. And so what that leads me to believe is that he's absent from the scene. So the authority figures in her life would actually be who? Her brothers now. And for whatever reason, I don't know why any brother would ever get mad at their sister. I can't imagine that. I've had a sister for basically the entirety of my life, and I've never gotten mad at her over anything not if we had a vineyard in the backyard you'd just be working in it right now but they sent her to work in the vineyards and so her brothers laid this responsibility upon her and the first thing it shows me is this is that she submits to authority she submits to authority proverbs 21 verse 19 says this it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman this is Solomon writing here. He says, better to live in the desert than to live at home with a woman that is just ticked off all the time. It's just God's word. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about our relationship. I don't live with an angry woman. I live with a submissive woman, and that's because she has a godly character. And that's what we see about this woman. She is submissive to the authority in her life. Guys, listen to me. You want to have a, a, just a horrible relationship? Then find you a woman that just rebels against authority. And ladies, don't get mad about this. Don't get offended about this. This is not a negative thing. Don't let culture twist you into thinking that this is a negative thing. Submit does not mean you are lesser than. Because the last time I checked, God's Word also told us that we were all created equal in the image of God. So it's not a matter of who's in the hierarchy here. It's just a matter of how God designed things to work. And he says the husband shall be the leader of the household. 
And so that means that the woman is supposed to be submissive to his leadership, and that's what this woman is. She submits to the leadership and the authority in her life, and that's not a negative or a bad thing. But you guys want a miserable relationship? Then enter into one with a woman that just rebels against every figure and form of authority in her life. Because let me ask you something. Do you think if she's rebelling against her parents, if you think she's rebelling at school, if you think she's rebelling at her job, do you think she's going to submit to you? It's not going to happen. But a woman that has godly character has no trouble submitting to the authorities in her life. And by the way, coincidentally, she'll have no trouble submitting to you as long as you're doing your job and following Jesus like you should be. So she submits to authority. And the next thing we see is that she's responsible. They put her to work and, and she's doing She's taking care of her duties each and every day. She's not whining. She's not complaining about it. She's responsible and she's a hard worker. There is nothing more at times attractive to me with my wife than how hard she works. This woman busts her butt. When I first entered into this calling, there was a time when I went about two years without making a single dime. Who do you think was bringing home the bread? She was. That's attractive. That's godly character. She's a hard worker, and she's focused on serving the Lord. She's not worried about what everybody else is doing. She's not complaining about the duties that she's been given. She just said, you know what? I'm going to submit. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to serve my God. Proverbs 31, verse 30 says this, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10. He says, this is, my, this is Paul's idea of an attractive woman. He says this, Women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. He said, Paul says, you know what's most attractive to me about a woman? Somebody who just works her tail off for the glory of God. He said, it doesn't get any better than that. So women need to be Searching for a man of godly character, men. You need to be searching for a woman of godly character. And as all this begins to build, we see the third attribute of their attraction, and that is profile requirement. Profile requirement. So all this is, is bundling together. He's got the looks, he's got the character, and all the while this woman has gained a profile of the top of man that she wants to marry. So look at verse 7. Look at what she says. She says, Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why shall I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companion? This woman has gained a profile of the type of man that she wants to marry. And now that she has found someone who fits the description, she wants to meet him. Is there anything wrong with that? There ain't a daggum thing wrong with that. This woman has found someone she is attracted to. She loves his character and how godly he is. And she says... Tell me, where you pasture your flocks at? Where do you take your sheep? And what time are you going to be there? Because I'm going to make sure to just conveniently show up at that same time. My wife did this. She was at every single basketball game I played in high school. She was also a cheerleader. <laughs> so that was her excuse. I know the real reason why she was there. She just wanted to be around me. So... She said, I want, to, I want to be in your presence. I just want to be around you. That's what it's like when you have a strong attraction to someone, right? You just want to be around them. You just want to be in their presence. And she wants to be around. She wants to meet him. She wants him to notice her. I wish we had enough time to go around the room and ask you girls what were some of the craziest things that you've ever done to try to get a guy to notice you. 
I guarantee it'd be way crazier than taking your sheep to the pasture that he's going to be at at noon. But, but listen, listen. She lets him know real quick that she is not going to compromise who she is to be with him. And she is not going to compromise the type of man that she is looking for to be with him. How do I know that? You've got to know a little bit of the history of what's going on. Look at verse 7. She says, For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? She's talking about the prostitutes there. In those times, these women would know where these shepherds were going at noon to pasture their flocks. And so the prostitutes would go kind of stand off to the corner and just hope that one of the guys would notice them for a good time. And she says, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to meet you there, and I want you to notice me, but I ain't going to be like one of them. You can choose me if you want to, or you can reject me, but either way, I'm not compromising who I am to be with you. Listen to me, girls. When you find a guy that truly loves you for who you are and wants to date you as a godly man should, he's not going to require things of you that you don't want to give to him in order to be with him. He will respect you in every way. So she said, I'm not going to compromise, so you don't compromise either. In your relationships, guys, girls, you find somebody that you like, don't compromise and don't settle if it doesn't work out. Don't compromise and don't settle. But be careful about placing unrealistic expectations in your profile. Imperfect people have no authority to demand perfection. So don't place unrealistic expectations. Don't settle, don't compromise, but don't be unrealistic either. The way that you gain a profile, the easiest way to gain a profile of the type of person that you want to marry is for you to focus on becoming that person. If you focus on becoming the type of person that you want to marry, it will be that much easier for you to gain a profile of the person that you're looking for. So in your search, guys, find someone that you're physically attracted to by all means. Be attracted to them. Please be attracted to them physically. But even more so than that, find someone that has godly character. And then gain a profile of the person that you want to marry one day and then don't compromise who you are to settle for something less. All right? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the message. What a wonderful truth for us to know and understand that marriage isn't as much about us finding the right one, but rather becoming the right one as we search. We pray that you have been encouraged and empowered by the Word of God to live a life of surrender and devotion to Him in all things.